the New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Vector Communications, data networks built for business. Greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. This is episode 198. I'm Paul Spain. And I'm Karen Monks. Karen, very nice to have you on the podcast. Thank you very much for joining me. Nice to be in Auckland. Well, tell us where you fit into the the tech world here in New Zealand. Uh, I think I've been around for far too many years now, um, (laughs) starting off right back in the days of Extra. uh, But now I'm an independent community manager, so uh, I help people with their general digital footprint. Uh, as well as looking after sort of internal uh, communications like intranets and things like that. Great. All right. Well, um, we'll look forward. We might ask you a few questions um, later on, actually, if, if time allows, uh, because you're based on a farm. You use a bit of technology there as well. So I'd be interested to uh, to hear a bit about that. Yeah, you can't step away from um, technology once you're involved in it, um, even on the farm. Yeah, cool. Well, um, now, just to start with, let's jump in with a couple of news bites. So uh, first up, uh, Amazon have announced the uh, Kindle Voyage. This is a new uh, e-reader and apparently such a uh, clear high definition display that uh, looks at least as good as your uh, your typical uh, book. Uh, and we've just just heard overnight that um, the DisplayPort standard, which we heard, we heard a little bit about it, an updated uh, standard for DisplayPort, and this comes from uh, an organisation called uh, Visa, who set the standards for uh, video display, uh, and they've just ma- made an announcement that they're working uh, to support the USB cable from 2015. So there's a new USB cable coming that will be reversible, much like the connection that you plug into your iPhone today. doesn't matter which way you jam it in, it just works, which is, is always nice. the one we've all been waiting for. Yeah, no no more of that frustration. I know. And there's always that thing, even the, um, the connection that you plug into your computer... Uh, that you plug it in one way, it doesn't work. You plug it in the other way, it doesn't work. You try it back the original way and, and you just push a little bit harder and finally oh, works. Ac- actually it, it works. You had it right to start with, you just didn't push quite hard enough. It was terrible that it was only about six months ago I saw the sort of hack that says know which way to put your USB in every time by looking at the, the little connector underneath and, and looking for the zigzag bit and that's it, that goes at the bottom and then you can do it every time. But you're right. Up until then, why does it take three times to do it correctly? Yeah, odd thing, isn't it? But this will be convenient if you can plug in that USB connection and also, so it might be a a laptop into some sort of a docking station, a laptop into a monitor, that that USB connection can also carry your, your video signal as well and, you know, full high definition 4K video we're talking about here. Uh, so, yeah, it makes some sense. It'll obviously be a little while before we uh, see this, but uh, good to see the, the standards organisation starting to uh, work together. Yeah, fi- finally seeing some convergence on these is a great thing. Instead of having several different cables and, and all the fun of presentations, uh, being able to have one cable that can actually do the, the display work is fantastic. But, of course, we're going to have all sorts of devices with all sorts of uh, ports. Variations, uh, and by the time it settles down, there will be another standard and another type of, type of cable. So such is the, uh, the, the nature of these things. Uh, now... Getting getting into sort of real topics uh, this week. Um, now, Oculus Rift, who uh, yeah sold this year uh, to Facebook. You know, these are the guys that have been uh, working on their uh, virtual reality headsets, and there's been you know various. Uh, uh, 
products that they've sort of come out with, um, basically targeting software developers at this stage before they they go into that full uh, public launch. Uh, their their newest one, um, they've de- detailed that, uh, includes headphones, there's a, you know, a bunch of bits and pieces in there, um, higher definition and um, full 360-degree uh, head tracking yes there are there are sensors all the way around the the band now which is really interesting um instead of just in the front now you quite uh, like to do some gaming when uh, when you can find find the time um what what's your pick on uh, on what oculus are, are doing with the oculus rift uh, headset and uh, you know is this something that uh, you're pretty excited about the potential for where this could lead oh the potential is huge i think the the biggest thing that they have to overcome which um, certainly seems like with this new prototype that they've made some steps on is just the the weight and the shape and the wearability of the device because that's the hardest part uh, of the virtual reality is the gear that goes with it um, in order to sort of sink yourself into another world and sort of be truly immersed you actually have to be comfortable with all the the gear that you're wearing um, and unfortunately we're not sort of wet a workshop level um, uh, of being able to sort of have uh, all the cameras and things like that that go with it that we can just wear a special suit at the moment um, but the new headset that they've got looks better it's lighter it's more comfortable um it's something that you're not going to notice wearing um and certainly the the people that have prototyped it feel a lot more immersed um, and they realize that they're kind of ducking and crouching and sort of they can't help but wanting to walk forward or walk backwards um, and things like that which is great because that shows that they're making real progress with it yeah i think uh the, you know the the possibilities for this sort of thing are, are pretty much endless but yeah making it lighter definitely helps i think some of the existing headsets things that i've tried uh, a bit heavy a bit of a sore sore neck and so on uh you know reasonably quickly if you've got a, a heavy hand uh, headset that you're wearing now for those that are interested um now this one has only just been uh, just been detailed um just at at the most uh, recent uh, event from oculus oculus uh uh, Connect 2014 event, but if you want to see the the latest of what's available uh, now, then uh, the Digital Nations event coming up this weekend in Auckland, uh, that will be the place to uh, to actually be able to try this stuff out. So that's an event for people that are interested in what's happening in the tech world uh, that uh, should keep you uh, thoroughly entertained for a, for a good few hours, and uh, you know there'll be all sorts of things. There, of course, uh, for those that did listen in a, a couple of weeks ago, um, you know, we had a, a bunch more details on that. But that's that's the place to go if you haven't seen this type of device and you're interested in uh, in doing so. Now, of course, we should say that there are still no plans to to ship or, or sell the Oculus Rift at the moment. These are still all prototypes right now, so I'm afraid it's not something that's going to go on your Christmas gift list anytime soon. Well, it can't can't be too many miles away, but uh, and and of course we've got uh, the partnership that uh, Oculus have got with Samsung. Uh, so there's the headset for the uh, for the Note Four, and what we're picking is a Note Four for a New Zealand launch around mid uh, mid October, from what we're hearing at the moment. Uh, so whether that will be available immediately and what there will be in terms of games. To go with it, uh, yeah. yeah. Time, time, time's going to tell on that. Um, and the other thing to realise is that uh, Sony uh, have got their VR headset uh, or virtual reality headset uh, coming as well. So 
they're um, yeah they're pretty well well down the down the track on uh, on that. Um, and we've tried a previous iteration of of this, which didn't wasn't the full sort of a immersive virtual reality um, unit, in that it, it gave you the video display, it had the headphones built in, um, but it didn't have all the the head tracking pieces and so on. Uh, I've tried that previously, and um, yeah, it's pretty uh, pretty cool device. Uh, and you know, I think that yeah, Sony are going to make sure that they uh, they keep pushing this space as well. And obviously, being the makers of the the, the PlayStation, um, yeah, that's really where they're, they're focusing on that uh, that tie up. And a report just came through saying that uh, Sony, they're calling it the, the PlayStation VR headset, uh, also known as Project Morpheus, eighty five percent of their work is done. So, how long it'll take for that last fifteen percent? I'm not sure that telling us eighty five percent of the work done really tells us a whole lot. Not, uh, not until we see a launch date. So, yeah. So there's still a, still a bit of a waiting game on on these things. But uh, yeah, at least there there is a real product, uh, co- yeah, coming through there from uh, from Samsung and the in the 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 pretty near future. So. Now, in the not quite so real uh, product section, speaking of virtual reality, Airbus has put in a patent uh, recently that I read about where uh, a use for virtual reality is if you have a fear of flying, they're planning to plonk you down in your seat and if you're a bit paranoid, uh, give you a headset and um, basically give you some sensorial deprivation for a few hours worth of flying so that you're completely immersed in your movie and, and unaware of your flight. Completely lost in another world. Yeah, well, <laughs> the problem the problem with this is you unless they put it on uh, before you get on the plane, and at least you don't uh, don't go through customs or whatever. Uh, you know that you're getting on a plane, you're pretty and, sure you're going and on a if flight. you're fearful of getting on a flight. Uh, then uh, you know that that's already sort of with you at that stage. Yeah, so. I had a friend that that really sort of couldn't fly without his special flying juice um, in order to just get on the flight. So I think you're right. You'd have to start from sort of getting out of the taxi at the airport. They plonk it on you there and um, take care of everything else for you. And then hopefully by the time you um, they take it off, you're you're there and ready to go. Mm. But hey, I mean, good to see people uh, investigating new uses for technology. We're always got to applaud uh, that if it's a, if it's a positive use, and may, maybe this one could be over time. We we will see. Uh, now the iPhone uh, six and the iPhone six plus, uh, Apple have sort of broken records again. Now we they've launched uh, around the world in a lot of countries, New Zealand. Uh, has been following now for uh, for a little while a one week uh, delay in terms of their uh, their launches in New Zealand. I'm curious whether that will change once there's an official once we have a, a an Apple store in New Zealand if one mm. ever opens. But I would presume at some stage we will end up with. Uh, with at least one Apple store uh, in New Zealand. There's a bunch around uh, Australia, Australia now. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we we heard uh, what were the pre-order numbers? I think uh, so, so four a, four a, million in the first twenty four hours. That yep. was their first record, and then uh, the next is that they've already uh, sold or over their sort of opening weekend um, or launch weekend uh, ten million uh, units across the iPhone six and six plus. Now, if you do the maths on that, and uh, I don't know what uh, exactly what. Uh, Apple returns depending on the channel through which they've sold through, but uh, let's just say it was uh, five hundred US dollars a piece. That's uh, 
uh, what are we talking? That's $5 billion worth of uh, product sales in a weekend. It's, um, a, it's a good weekend. That, that would be a pretty successful weekend, wouldn't you think? Yeah. Um, in, in anyone's book. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, we'll see if it we'll see if it continues. I mean, it's it's always the first run that we see with Apple because it is the the passionate Apple fans that will queue up for it and be the first ones that the must have of the device. So it'll be interesting to see uh, once that sort of passes um, where those sales continue in comparison to sort of some of the the big Android uh, launches that have happened. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, Apple certainly get more attention than anyone else. And, you know, I keep surveying people out there with varying, you know, devices around, you know, what they like and why and, uh, you know, what they're planning to do with the next phone. And, uh, yeah, it's still very, very, uh, yeah, popular for people that have an iPhone to, to definitely stay with with the iPhone. And, you know, Samsung have made a bit of a dent uh, there in terms of converting people off, mm. but you know, also often hear from people that say, "Oh, yeah, I, you know, I jumped across uh, from iPhone to Android, and hey, I'm I'm moving back next time around." So this this release, where we've got the bigger size screens and so on, that ticks some boxes for some users. Uh, you know, I think we'll we'll have a little bit of a, a an impact in terms of uh, sales, and you know, in a positive way for Apple. Uh, because it is so, you know, different physically to the previous iPhones. Yeah, this this is a, a different step. Um, it's not just a, an upgrade uh, path like the others that, that they've had. But as you say, uh, people will sort of stick with one or the other, and often it seems to be within groups of friends as well. So um, uh, one has it, and so the, the rest of them has it, and then you finally convince one of that group to swap, and then you might get the, the others swapping out. Uh, yeah, there's a level of sort of peer pressure associated, isn't it? It's sort of fitting in in some cases of... Uh, well, you know, I don't want to be the odd one out in my uh, my circle, and uh, yeah. everyone's got this, so I'm I'm going with. But the it, same. it's also, I mean, originally, sort of, if you look back a couple of years ago, it was because there were sort of only certain applications on each platform, and they were quite quite different. And so, if your friends had the iPhone, then they were using a particular set of apps. So, of course, you did want to be able to join them and use those applications. But now, when you're seeing uh, the same application going across multiple platforms, it's fine. doesn't matter which device you happen to be using, but that was quite a critical choice before as to what you're going to be able to use and what you're going to be able to talk to your friends with. Yeah, there's certainly less of that exclusivity, but, it, I mean, it does, you know, does still occur. And, you know, even Windows Phone, which, yeah, has picked up a lot, um, lacks in some areas, but then has a few uniques as well. Uh, so there's always there's always going to be pros and cons on, on different platforms of their uniques. Now, iOS 8 has just landed, so those of us with an existing iPhone, uh, while we wait for the new one or, or if we're happy with what we've got, um, iOS 8 is, is available right now. Pretty big uh, download, wasn't it? You needed to, Aye. if you're doing it over the airwaves, uh, you need to have over 5 gigs of free space on your device. That's not your, that's not the download, that's just the space that, that you need for it. Uh, that's right, the download was about 1.3 um, uh, gigs, gig? I think. Yes. Yeah, so, so it's, it's not too bad, but um, yeah, I did it through uh, iTunes, so I connected, um, connected my phone up um, 
Um, but I mean, you don't need as much space when you do it. You don't need as much space. So if you are like me, a terrible hoarder, and you have all your photos and your videos still on there, um, so I was a good girl, and I did uh, copy them all off safely uh, beforehand. But I certainly wouldn't have had the space uh, if I'd just done it straight over the air. Um, There's no way I would have had the space. But I did it through iTunes, and it it was relatively hassle-free. Connected up fine. um, Said, "Yep, let's upgrade," and and went for it. Yeah, I found I had to delete a big swag of photos because you know even having a 64 gig uh, device, and I think it doesn't matter how big your device is; it's always technically possible to fill it up, uh, and you probably you probably will. Uh, and that's that's what I'd done. So uh, you know, it was probably well overdue. It was a chance for me to do a bit of a tidy up. And, You're exactly and so I like did. me. Um, and you know, I had all my photos synced back to the cloud, so it wasn't an issue. I could easily uh, delete them off the device without uh, without any drama. Um, lots of new features in iOS eight. Uh, you've got your your um, the health side of it, and we were talking earlier around. Um, there's the equivalent of sort of a, a medical bracelet that's uh, that's built into iOS 8. Yeah. Um, tell, tell us about this. That was just one of those little features that, that you come across. I was having a look at the new health section, and you can set up a, a medical ID. So when you have the emergency screen, so you're allowed to make an emergency call uh, on the iPhones with no problems. With no, no PIN. So anyone no picking pin, up no the nothing. phone can do that, and they can also get to this information, right? Yeah, so. it, just sits on, it just sits as a little um, button down the bottom. Um, um, and uh, you can click into it and you put whatever information you want into it. So it's only controlled by you. They can't get into the rest of the phone, but you can put in uh, your name, any allergies or medical conditions that you've got. You can put in um, as many contact people as you'd like um, and your relation to your relationship to them, so mother, father, partner, etc. Mm. So it's just one of those handy little things. Um, you probably remember back to the, the days when you were told to use um, ICE in your contact list, the in case of emergency shortcut that yep. supposedly had your one contact number in it. Mm. And I mean, these days that everybody's got phones on them, and, and I really hope if I'm unconscious that somebody will be able to pull that up. And it says, I'm an organ donor, um, and it can, these are important decisions sometimes that um, they might not have the information otherwise. So it's just one of those handy little things. I thought that was well thought out. Yeah, yeah, and I think you know we, we'll keep seeing these new capabilities um, come through. I mean, there were so many little new features in in iOS 8, and you've got to spend time playing around to you know to see what things are, are most relevant. Uh, certainly, some changes there um, in mail. Uh, I'm enjoying that I quite the, like um, being able to sort of the way you can um, yeah mark your messages and so on just with that swipe in from the from the side and uh, mark them as read and unread and 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 the like. Um, what were the th- what were the things that you've uh, you've enjoyed? Yeah, I, I've enjoyed uh, using the the messaging um, prediction is getting a lot better. Um, so as now, you're typing. yeah. So uh, for my daughter, her um, her nickname for is not sort of grandmother for her grandmother. She has, she calls her Granan, uh, and now it, it automatically by the time I get to GR, it's actually already predicting Granan, not mm. grandmother or grandmum, uh, yep. which is interesting. It has it, it's figuring them out a lot faster than previously it still really can't um, correct my bad spelling mistakes or, or, or my kind of rugby thumbs attempts um, when trying to commit um, something quickly to text um, but nothing's going to solve that problem yeah and uh, of course you, you can now also get the um, uh, you know your third party keyboards can't you on uh, on iOS 
uh, eight. Yep. Ha- have you uh, have you tried installing any uh, any any keyboards yourself? Uh, yeah, I've tr- I've tried one of them, sort of the the Swift, um, uh, and it's fine. I mean, it j- reminds me of going back to a, an Android system again. Um, uh, I mean, I haven't used one for for quite a while now, but um, yeah, it, it works perfectly well, and the install's fine, and yeah, it takes over the the keyboard with no problems at all. Mm, mm. Yep. So um, I mean, yeah. the Android users are saying, "Yep, okay, yeah, <laughs> we've already got that." Thanks. Yeah. Yep. And and um, you know, to to be fair, that you know, there are situations where, well, there are lots of situations where one platform has something before the rest, but these things tend to spread out across all the platforms. So, uh, yeah, they're having that swipe uh, swipe keyboard. Uh, av- available on iOS, you know, I think it it just ticks that box for people that like that that style of keyboard. Yeah, it's, um, it's not it's not really my my primary choice for those anyway. I've never been that good at them. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, they built it into Windows Phone as well, uh, where you can you know just slide around and and it's built into the standard keyboard, so you don't have to uh, yeah change from one keyboard to another. It's mm-hmm. it's just uh, just built in. Um, and yeah, I think it's just nice to have those different options, so you're not forced to one yeah, one style of uh, not one, one style of, of entry. So yeah, it's it's a, it's a good thing, and this is the nature of the yeah uh, the yeah the comp- the level of competition at the moment that uh, those those boxes of new features sort of have to be ticked and will be replicated yeah. from one platform to another pretty quickly. Yeah, absolutely. Now, one of the other things we were again now, we were chatting about earlier was um, uh, inverted colours uh, for, for your um, menus and things, and uh, also being able to turn the screen black and white. Yeah, this is kind where, of in where, my... Where will you find this handy? <laughs> yeah. The, Who will you do this the, to to play a trick on? This is in my just-for-fun kind of box. Uh, so this is in the accessibility section um, that you'll find in your settings. Mm. Uh, and now you've got an option to invert all the colours, which just looks very odd, or turn it to grayscale, um, which is even odder looking and I think um, so if you can break into a into a friend's phone while they're not looking and, and convert it over yeah I think that, that that's a worthy kind of April Fool's joke isn't it they might scratch their head for a while but it, I mean this this it does have a genuine purpose and I you know I think uh, you know it's great to see what we've seen you know often on a desktop operating system uh, some of those accessibility uh, you know features that do make it the easier uh, for, for those with um, uh, that are sight impaired in some way to actually mm-hmm. now be able to do this on mobile devices because you know we do need to make sure these devices are are useful for as broad a percentage of the population a, as possible and uh, yeah I think it's uh, it's great that Apple have um, you know uh, uh, taking that approach no I mean I think we spend enough time in UI design on on websites and we spend enough time setting standards on accessibility um, particularly public service websites obviously mm. um, where we're testing um, when we're designing sites we're testing for accessibility um, and making sure that they're okay and yet as you say it's not necessarily something that's been a focus for for mobile devices up until now um, it hasn't had that they often have haven't had as much um, accessibility love. No, it's uh, it's absolutely true. Now, uh, talking about um, talking about plans with our mobile carriers here in New Zealand. Um, now we have to. We actually the, the segue to that from the the iOS six, of course, is being careful about apps running in the background. Yes, good point. 
Um, speaking of it, we're, we're about to talk about new data plans being available, but um, you do have to be careful with um, uh, iOS 8 uh, and um, apps using uh, GPS in the background, which is going to suck some of your data. Yeah, so um, there, are, but the iOS 8 is coming up and sort of alerting you to what uh, what's actually going on and uh, gives you that option to uh, to to turn off access to uh, navigation or to to adjust it. Now, some apps are going to need to update in terms of um, whether they use uh, data in the background or not. It'll give you an option to just or not data. Um, use the GPS just while they're in the foreground. So uh, obviously that can have a drag on um, that can have a drag on battery. Yeah, right? and so. you can turn off uh, on a um, uh, on an app by app basis. You can turn off cellular um, data access as well, of course. So if you are really concerned, you can just um, you can just turn it off for, for all the other apps on the data basis. Yeah, yeah. yep. So it's good but, to see this sort of granularity coming through, isn't it? Yeah, it, it is. But at the same time, we have uh, good news from Vodafone and Spark are updating their mobile plans. Yeah, and I mean this is the continual uh, dance, I guess. Yes, um, between two degrees, uh, Spark and and Vodafone, as they're always coming out with uh, uh, yeah things to differentiate. And one of the niceties now uh, that we're starting to starting to see is some nice uh, yeah pushes in the amount of uh, mobile data you get. So a uh, number of people in the last few days have been getting texts from uh, Vodafone to say, look, you're uh, your data's been doubled, so we've seen people with uh, yeah 500 gig uh, personal plans being uh, bumped up to uh, up to one gig. Uh, seeing various sort of similarities coming through from uh, from from Spark. Um, it does it does vary. I mean, there are a broad range of plans, and there's still those sort of nineteen dollar uh, type plans available uh, that give you the uh, the yeah 500 megs worth of uh, worth of data. Um, but yeah, Vodafone are really uh, they're, they're you know they're touting a bunch of plans. They've got these uh, Red Plus plans that now go all the way up to um, and eight gigs worth of data on um, uh, for one hundred and sixty nine dollars a month. And, be- and better than that, if you sign up for one now, uh, you can test drive it with twenty five gig of data. That's a pretty huge amount of data to push through your mobile, to, isn't it? What are you going to do on your mobile with 25 gig? I mean, that's uh, we have rural broadband at home, uh, a, a wireless broadband, and um, yeah, that's more than our household monthly cap for the whole lot, um, never mind just the phone. Yeah, well, I guess by setting it higher, it makes it reasonably hard for you to go over it. But there's that if you do manage to use that 25 gig that they, you know, they will give you. Uh, for that, that, it's just for one month. Yes, that's to, just a one-off. Don't think try you, it. So if you want to look that up, vodafone.co.nz slash test drive, uh, and you can see the details there and how you get hooked into that. And uh, yeah, for that for that first month. Uh, you have 25 uh, gigs worth of data if you're signing on to one of these uh, Red Plus plans in uh, 24 month terms. So, yeah, kind of, uh, kind of, kind of tempting just to just to try that out and see how you might use that much data uh, on your mobile. But hey, good, good to see the uh, the ongoing competition between our uh, our carriers. And uh, yeah, I guess it was there was there was certainly that sort of dream as we moved from 3G into a 4G world that we would see uh, plans with, with much more data 
and uh, yeah, we're now I guess starting starting to see a, a, a little bit of the results of of that coming through. So it's just nicer to see the focus being put on the data packages than the calling and the text. I mean, the text packages are already at sort of unlimited now. You don't really need text bundles anymore. But I mean, they must be they're, they're following the trend that really data is it. Um, and I mean, overseas we're seeing sort of almost data only packages coming in and and I would probably be a pretty good candidate for that I mean I really don't talk to that many people on on my phone Um, data is kind of the main thing Um, the most annoying bit is actually getting voicemails and having to to retrieve voicemails at the moment I think I'd rather people just texted me I think I might just change my my answering message on that yeah well I've used a service from uh, from Vodafone on my my main numbers with Vodafone um and on that one, it goes to an answer service that then texts the mm. result to me. So I never, ever have to dial in I, I had uh, the to same an answering service. system. Yeah. And the other nice thing about it is if someone calls through and then hangs up and leaves one of those one or two second sort of uh, messages, then there's there's actually none of that to deal with yeah. uh Either so uh, because you you know you only actually get the uh, the genuine messages, which is uh, um, yeah rather rather nice actually. So. Yes, I, I do. I used to have that service when I was with Telecom, and and I do miss it. That that's one of those features that's just very handy. Yeah, oh, it's um, yeah, it's it's great, and there are you know a range of those sorts of things that are uh, that are that are available. Um, but they do add a chunk to to your bill, mm. and so that's the thing. It can add up pretty uh, pretty quickly. Um, the the service that I'm on um, with Vodafone, I think it's twelve dollars a month plus a dollar a dollar a message. Mm-hmm. Um, reality is, I answer most of my calls, so it's not uh, you know that's not too much of a uh, not too much of a problem. Um, but but yeah, worth being uh, worth being aware of anyway. Um, all right, so yeah, there's so yeah, worth checking out some of the some of those new plans. Um, not all of them have carried through uh, to business yet. So uh, on the Vodafone side, uh, I don't think they've launched the new business plans yet. But I would tend to imagine that they would, because looking at the Spark side, uh, some of those new offerings have already mm-hmm. carried over uh, into uh, yeah into business type uh, type plans. So yeah, no doubt that uh, we we will we will see uh, changes there. And yeah, I mean the the probably the the biggest jump is their um, uh, their the twenty nine dollar plan from uh, Vodafone that has gone from yeah five hundred uh, megs worth of data up to uh, up to one gig built into that uh, um, plan. So yeah, kind of uh, kind of nice. All right. Uh, oh, one other thing that was slightly slightly tied in uh, uh, to Apple's announcement because part of what came with iOS eight uh, is iCloud Drive, uh, which is the new cloud uh, drive from Apple. Uh, to 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 utilize that, you will need if you're using a Mac, you will uh, need. Uh, OS X Yosemite, you'll need the new version, which actually isn't isn't it's, launched isn't publicly yet. yet. Um, so there is a bit of a warning if you try to turn that on. Um, the client, the iCloud Drive uh, software has uh, 
is now available on the Windows side. So interesting uh, that that side that, that's actually uh, out first. Uh, but Microsoft uh, trying to sort of, uh, I guess, get a little bit of uh, publicity ar- around this and let people know that hey, we you know we we've we got can do our, this too. Our product as well um, with OneDrive. So uh, they've they've announced a free 15 gigabytes worth of uh, for, of cloud storage. Uh, for those who upload photos into their OneDrive uh, via their smartphone, and not just on iOS, um, but that covers Android and um, and naturally Windows Phone as well. So uh, you know they've been giving away that 15 gigs worth of storage for some time. Uh, if you jump in quickly, you'll be able to get your um, your base storage there sort of doubled up to uh, up to 30 gigs. Yeah, which is which is a good size. Maybe that's what we need our 25 gig package from from Vodafone for to fill it up in one go. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, something I've been having a little bit of a look at uh, is BMW's connected drive. Now, uh, this is something that has just been really been announced today between Vodafone and BMW. Um, so BMW have signed a global uh, agreement uh, that they've announced locally today uh, with Vodafone. And what this means is that going forward from... from Pretty much from today onwards. In fact, some of these cars are already in the market. But uh, any BMW that you buy from from now onwards, uh, that's you know new in New Zealand, uh, will generally. And I think there may be there are, there are uh, two variations to this, but virtually all of the cars now will include this embedded connected drive capability. And what that means is that the car is built with uh, mobile connectivity built right into it including right down to a SIM card that's already uh, includes a subscription for access. And most of that subscription element uh, you will need to renew after three years. If you want web access, that needs to be uh, renewed after 12 months if you want that. Uh, And there are a couple of features that will work for a lifetime. So uh, one of the things that um, we've seen, and we've seen this from others as well, um, but generally not with a built-in SIM card, um, is an emergency help option where the car uh, can actually dial out in an emergency. So if you crash and the airbags go off and so on, uh, the phone will actually dial you into uh, their emergency call centre. Uh, so with the new BMWs, that's actually going to be, uh, you'll have that that access uh, basically for life, you don't have to have a subscription for uh, for that, and that utilises the uh, the relationship BMW have with Vodafone uh, globally. Um, now, one of the interesting things is if you're outside of Vodafone coverage, but another network has coverage, it will just jump onto that network, uh, which just I thought for the was, emergency was, scenario? was quite good. Uh, certainly for the emergency scenario, I d- yeah, I, it's a good good point. I did ask them around that. I didn't get clarification on whether that was for all of the services, but my uh, I guess my presumption is that 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 will be across all of those uh, all of the use cases for it, um, and there are a range of use cases for connected drive. Um, one, so I did try the emergency help, which you you've got a little uh, button up on the centre console that you can press. Oh, you didn't get uh, to set off any airbags. And uh, no, no, I thought I'd get in a bit of trouble if I smashed up the car and wrapped it around a, uh, a pole. Well, you need to um, test real life emergencies. Yeah, sometimes. Well, I did do that in the in the Ford once with. Um, one of its uh, front collision detect, and it actually went off and uh, and uh, yeah, slowed down the vehicle for me, which was nice, and there was no accident. Um, but uh, yeah, one of the ones was um, they've got this concierge service, and so that's included for uh, 
for the first three years. And what that is, is it just allows you to go into their uh, their call centre. It's very easy to sort of uh, dial through the, the controls uh, on on the vehicle without uh, you know taking your eyes too much off the road. Uh, and basically you, you can ask a question. So I was asking, hey, look, I, can you give me this particular, you know, I'm looking for a restaurant, I need to find it. Um, and they, they looked it up. To take them a little while, they got mixed up where I were, even though they could actually see because it passed the data back to them telling them where I was. They got a bit mixed up and were looking at Sydney initially rather than a, a New Zealand uh, location, rather than Auckland. Close by, though, um, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Well, they have one call centre in the Philippines which covers the Asia-Pacific region. Uh, and so they're probably, because this is so new for New Zealand, they probably just weren't expecting, uh, you know, when they saw the, you know, the... The call, they probably just weren't expecting it to be someone in New Zealand. Maybe it was their first, you know, their New br- Zealand call for this person. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so they looked around Sydney for a bit and then came back and said, Oh, can I check where you are? Um, which was kind of odd considering they had on their screen where I was, but I, I clarified and then they had a look and they found it. And um, after they found the address, they then um, just sent a message back to the vehicle. Uh, and I was able then just to select that and to navigate directly to it. So, which is great because you very, want to keep your hands handy. on the wheel. On the wheel, yeah, it's just fantastic. So, there's also another piece where you can uh, do this through your web browser or through your smartphone. You can pick an address before you jump in the vehicle. Oh, that's good. And you can set that up as a destination to go to. Uh, and another one which I quite liked is um, where you have your sort of buttons often um, for your radio for picking your your favourite stations and so on. You can also, where it's got that row of buttons, you can assign not just radio stations, you can assign other things to those buttons. So um, you can assign, say, your your office or home location. So if you, you're travelling off to other places, you can just hit that button and it will navigate you um, to that preset location. Oh, um, that's, that's yeah. clever. That's so very, very Hensel and Gretel breadcrumbs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, very, very handy. So, there are quite a, quite a few uh, features in with Connected Drive. That was uh, one of them. Um, yeah, the emergency help thing sound, does, uh, does sound pretty cool where that can sort of trigger. And it won't just give them your location, but it does fire back a bunch of information as well uh, if you're in an accident. And, you know, that might be, for instance, how many airbags have gone off or whatever other information that they can get from the vehicle. Um, Also, the car, if there's some sort of an issue, even if it's a minor issue, it can fire that back uh, through into their system. And then if you've got a preferred uh, dealer or or company that does service on your vehicle, um, they can then fire that onto them so that they'll proactively give you a call and say, hey, I think it's time for a, a service for your vehicle yeah, let's address these issues before they become yeah major, major issues. Major issues, yeah. Uh, so I thought that sort of thing is is quite nice as well. Uh, you've got online radio, web browser, and various other bits and pieces that are that are in there. And you know, overall, some pretty smart technology that's uh, that's coming through in the in the yeah you know, the current uh, BMWs. And one thing that impressed me was that BMW aren't necessarily waiting for. A New Year's model. They're actually they've put some. They've turned on some of these features sort of mid-cycle. Uh, so often, you know, you're waiting for this new model, and just in the factory, they've just started putting through uh, these latest features sort of mid uh, mid-cycle, which means 
uh, you know, quicker access to technologies and that the cycle for developing a new car can be, you know, in the direction of seven years. So uh, the fact that they can then componentize these things and, and uh, yeah, bring them bring them up to date or, or change them is, uh, is rather good. No, I mean, I, I like the fact that they've um, put in the consideration that it's all taken care of, that the sim is in there, they've done, they've done the deal and it exists and off you go. You don't have to go and get it activated and sorted out and connected up and things like that. Uh, I mean, I think that's, that's a much better idea that it's for now, even though some of them you might have to, to refresh after sort of 12 months or so, to begin with, it's just taken care of. Yeah, you, you don't have to pay for data and, and so on. Uh, you don't have to worry about whether your, your phone is paired or not, whether you've, you know, you forgot to plug your phone in and its battery's run out. Um, you know, it's built right in. So I think this is a trend that we'll see continue. Uh, you know, as we move into this world with the Internet of Things and uh, you know what the, um, the the Vodafones and the telcos call you know M to M machine to machine communications, mm-hmm. um, this sort of thing will will just become the norm. But yeah, you know, great to see uh, BMW doing it and making it available in New Zealand because often these things are available internationally and can take a long time to roll out in New Zealand. But hey, we've got it here in New Zealand as well now. Yes. Uh, so we, we're catching up with some of the other markets that have uh, that have had it, and uh, yeah, it, it it looks pretty good. You know, uh, they've got they've got some really good features. Uh, yeah, their the, the GPS is pretty good. I did find it a bit slow to connect on some of those features. So as you sort of flick through some of their uh, some of their menus that require uh, the system to go on on you know online, connect to the internet to do certain things, um, there was a little bit of a delay in those processes. But uh, yeah, hey, these things are going to get better and better, and you know it's great to it's great to have a good start and to have some good features where it is right now. Yeah, and, and as you say, great that it's coming to New Zealand. We could have have had this entire conversation, and then right at the end said, "But this will be for Europe or the United States only." So it's a, it's about time we're getting them down here, and that they're starting to accept global rollouts for these things. Yeah, yeah, and um, and another thing uh, is those that have brought in a car from elsewhere in the world. So obviously, you know, BMW New Zealand, they will, they you know they want to earn their. Uh, um, their numbers, so that you know they're not going to encourage you to be buying a vehicle offshore and, and importing it into New Zealand. Uh, but the reality is, in a lot of cases, if you do that, it probably will work to a degree. Let's say if you've got a, a vehicle imported from the UK, uh, it's going to be hardwired, you know, for the UK and in, in, in a number of regards. Um, and for instance, with with the uh, connected drive capabilities, uh, it's likely to be calling the European call centre mm. rather than the Philippines one. So they might they might be a lot more miffed uh, than the person I called. Uh, if I About say, "Hey, are. I'm uh, I've got an emergency here in uh, you know the back blocks of uh, New Zealand," and uh, yeah, they could well be scratching their heads on that one. But uh, appa- apparently, those features will uh, yeah should work to a degree uh, anyway, even in those cases, which is that's uh, good. Right. So you won't have not to, perfect, but you, it, it's okay. You won't have to swap SIM cards, and you won't have an Apple Store problem converting from country to country. Apparently not. So, uh, and that's I guess the benefit of them having that global agreement with uh, with Vodafone and yeah and and the fact that yeah it even goes beyond Vodafone's network and uh, you know they can roam onto other networks where appropriate 
Yeah, which I guess they would need to, if you're looking at something like navigation, uh, if, if that's running live and it's trying to find something, you would want it switching onto another network so that you're not sort of left in the back blocks of, of New Zealand and not able to find anything. Yeah, or if you have an accident and, and you're out of coverage from one network, it's nice to know that if there's another network that they can reach that they'll use that uh, to call in the emergency for you. Uh, now, we've got another gadget here, the um, Huawei Ascend P7. Now, uh, it was either earlier this year or um, uh, yeah, later last year that they uh, Huawei uh, launched their P6, which was a pretty slim and sleek uh, Android handset. And, you know, this is, this is a manufacturer that's not particularly well known out mm. there but is certainly sort of you know growing and uh, you know th- th- their technology is at the core of a lot of mobile networks now and you know here in New Zealand we, we look at two degrees and they, they rely you know their whole network runs on uh, on the technology from, uh, from uh, Huawei and uh, yeah they've just launched this new handset now obviously it doesn't have that sort of uh, cachet that's associated in terms of where, where people really want to uh, want uh, a desire, brand. Desire this that isn't brand. this isn't a brand that has that sort of attention yet. Uh, but if they keep releasing nice handsets, uh, you know, I th- I think over over time, you know, each one just puts them a little bit further along. And um, yeah, it's a pretty nice looking handset, uh, five inch full HD uh, display. And it's got this unique uh, front-facing uh, camera for doing uh, selfies, hasn't it? Eight megapixels. It, yeah, frighteningly good camera for, for a front camera. I mean, you're used to sort of, what, 1.2 or so uh, on the front compared to the, the back camera. Um, but this one's a, a, a full uh, eight, mega, 8 megapixels, which is just frightening when you are taking a selfie because I'm afraid it is a um, large amount of detail that I'm not sure I actually w- want to see on my face that I've <laughs> just realised existed. I'm not sure this is a good idea. But there's some extra options in there, aren't there, to uh, yeah. to, to sort of tweak your, uh, your your image a little bit? You can sort of essentially Photoshop yourself live. It actually has a setting called the beauty level. Uh, and so it has a really nice slider and you, you prop, uh, start your, your selfie picture and line yourself up and adjust the slider and it starts smoothing out all your skin tones live, which is a little disconcerting. It's fine when you're sort of halfway up the slider, but then you go back to, to sort of zero again and realise that um, perhaps you'd better put it back up again. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, it's interesting to see the unique sort of uh, software tweaks that they've done in there. There's some, yeah, um, I don't know, quite, you know, nice little um, uh, design touches, but, mm. you know, there's still that feeling of, you know, do manufacturers really need to play with Android? Can't they just leave the sort of stock standard? Um, they can never leave it stock standard. Mm, they they I, I all sort of, have I, their I own. I wish they would, and that the focus would would all you know go go in um, you know to Android itself improving and there being that standardisation. But yeah, it's, it, it it's would, certainly it, not as fragmented as it uh, as it uh, once was. Yeah. Um, now, so this phone is very sleek. I mean, we're talking six and a half uh, millimeters thick. Uh, it's got that sort of iPhone-esque sort of edge to it. Now, not on the bottom edge, which is a sort of curve, but uh, the other three edges um, with with that sort of uh, aluminium uh, edge that, that looks quite iPhone-like. Uh, also, we see something similar on the um, the, the Lumia 930 from uh, Nokia. And, uh, yeah, even Samsung have been giving that, that a go. 
uh, recently as well. Um, it's, it's a pretty smart-looking phone. Yeah, 13 given, megapixel norm- their other camera as well, so reasonably uh, high definition. Um, running Android 4.4.2, so just a, a, a notch behind the um, latest. And, um, yeah, 4G, LTE, um, 1.4, uh, 1.8 gigahertz uh, quad-core processor, a reasonable amount of... Uh, uh, you know, uh, processing capability there. Being so slim, I would be curious about its uh, battery life. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's the one that I'm curious about. It's got 16 gigs of on- onboard storage and a uh, 2 gigs of RAM and a micro SD slot, so you can expand that storage. Mm. Um, but this is a, it was 100, and I think we weighed it before, it was 124 grams. Yeah, it's, it's uh, light. So very light. So... That is could potentially be a shortcoming uh, when it comes to battery life. When you've got such a uh, such a light camera, um, haven't had it long enough to be able to uh, report back on that. But we'll have a bit more of a play with it over the uh, over the next few days uh, between uh, the other phones that we'll be looking at. And of course, uh, Friday brings with it some uh, some new products from Apple that are that are going to be taking up a bit of time to play with too. Yeah, that that's probably gonna that that's gonna be the first ones off, isn't it, to to play with? Uh, well, I've got this one first, so it gives give me give me a couple of days. Now, uh, sitting next to you, you you we mentioned earlier, you're a bit of a gamer, um, and uh, you've got an Alienware sort of gaming laptop. If laptop is really the word for these uh, uh, these hefty machines, now we've got. Yeah, I, I um, wouldn't be putting it on your lap uh, unless you you need sort of um, almost burn level of sort of warming. Yeah, so these, I mean, big big machines, but um, this this uh, new um, Asus uh, G seven fifty we've got here. I mean, this is a is a powerful machine. Uh, Sixteen gigs of RAM, a you know, quad core i seven CPU. Uh, looks like a, a two eighty gig SSD and a, a terabyte hard drive. Um, pretty much the you know the only thing that it's missing compared to a you know a um, a really powerful high-end machine um, is the touch screen in terms of you know Windows 8 device. It's it's pretty much got everything else. I mean, you've got Blu-ray in there and so on as well. Um, you had a bit of a play with it. How does it sort of compare uh, for you to the Alienware? Because this is um, yeah, this is really a um, ASUS sort of play on competing with uh, with Alienware, mm. isn't it? It carries their uh, their gaming. Um, what's the the um, They've carries their the, gaming the, the brand. The Republic of Gaming. The Republic of Gaming, that's it. Yeah, is their sort of gaming brand, I guess, to compete with uh, Alienware, mm. which is now a, a brand of Dell, of isn't Dell. it? Of Dell, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, it is um, it is thinner um, than um, than the Alienwares are, but then it's their look and feel that kind of really makes the, the Alienwares much more signature. I mean, it's it's the lighting, it's the vents, it's it's everything else that goes along with them. Um, mm. So, I mean, but if you're looking for, for performance, then, I mean, this is going to do it based on its stats alone. I mean, I like to see um, the solid-state drive coming into it as well as sort of the the other drives that it's got into it i always feel a, a little bit more reassured these days by having um some some solid memory in there that, that you can put things onto that might be a bit more um important yeah. um because like my alienware it's big and it's solid and and i get really scared of dropping that thing if it's oh, going yeah. anywhere um yeah. and i mean like any of the big uh, gaming laptops that you're using um it's got a big power brick with it 
um, sizable. It's going to warm your warm your feet in winter. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I mean, you, as with most of these machines, um, because of everything that they're running, you're not going to run uh, want to run it away from its power very often. I mean, realistically, they, these aren't sort of portable devices. No, I mean, with the Haswell CPU, if you know, if you're not doing anything too heavy on the graphics, um, you know, you've certainly you've got a level of. Uh, of ability to to run off power, but uh, yeah, it's it's not the sort of thing that uh, uh, you know you would you'd be gaming without access to power because you know first and foremost you want to get that performance you want to be plugged in to get the top performance, uh, and you certainly don't want your uh, your game dropping out part way through because you've run out of uh, battery, right? So, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I think. Uh, in comparison, I mean, if you if you're not interested so much in the the look and the feel and that kind of um, sort of deep wow factor that that the Alienwares give, if you want a good gaming laptop, mm. this is a good option as a good gaming laptop. Yeah, and I mean, it, it it actually you know it looks quite cool when you close it up. It's got a it certainly got that sort of uh, you know a little bit of that um, you know gaming esque uh, style to it, but it's not. Uh, not as as in your face as the uh, the Alienware ones with uh, you know all the bright lights and uh, and 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 colours and and so on, but uh, you know it still looks apart, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean I actually like um, the um, screen and um, uh, lid design f- um, fitting in uh, flush like this. I thought it was a little bit odd when I opened it up, but, but when you actually um, bring it down flat again, it's actually a really nice flat um, singular sort of surface on it, which is nice. Big big bucks. Um, I th- you know these are uh, these are north of sort of three thousand dollars. So it's not far uh, off the price range. You know, of- not 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 for the uh, light hard. You you know you've got to be pretty committed um, to want one of these. But you know it gives you that sort of top end PC processing, and you know in a reasonably portable sort of form factor. And uh, yeah, you, I mean you can run off battery and 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 whatnot for a while if uh, if you want to too. So yeah. Yep. All right, now, um, that sort of brings us through most of the topics, but uh, I would be keen, uh, b- before we finish up, Karen, just to hear a little bit about uh, life down on the farm, shall we say. Um, just, you know, what's the technology that, uh, that, that you use where, uh, where you live? Um, you know, being in a, in a rural location, uh, you don't have access to the, you know, exactly the same sort of connectivity either. Um, and uh, you've made some use of various bits of, of technology around the place. Maybe you can mm. and just share some of those things with us. Yeah, like, like I said, you, you, you can't leave tech behind um, even when you're, you're out farming. So we have um, a 46-acre uh, sheep and beef farm. Uh, and we've been um, using all sorts of devices across the farm, starting to look at at that sort of connected machine to machine stuff um, to try and monitor uh, operations on the farm. Right. So, so you've obviously got cellular coverage there. Yeah, we do. We actually, have, um, ironically, um, since moving from Auckland, um, we've got a wireless broadband service that's beamed up from the the centre of town out to the farm. Um, fantastic connection, um, no problems whatsoever. And we've got um, a cell tower are up on the nearest mountain range which is straight in view of us as well so we've got full cellular coverage as well yeah that's great and, um, and have you always 
had that level of um, cellular coverage there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All, the, all the way through since we moved, which yeah, has just great. been brilliant. Um, so uh, we've used um, a, a few Arduino-based um, devices, so small, sort of easy-to-program easy to devices, um, light and simple. Um, and some of them, like the, the BMW, uh, has um, SIM cards in them which Built can in. talk directly um, back. So they're easy to put together and then connect up um, to talk back to sort of the machines in the house. So we measure things like um, water levels uh, on the water tank, um, make sure we haven't got a leak in the system or anything like that. Um, we've got gate monitors um, and things like that, so you can see um, gate open or closed or something like that, or some, uh, something's happened to it. Um, so we're looking at sort of different ways that you can make all of those kind of little jobs that you need to go through on the farm um, a little bit easier. We're also combining that with um, 3D printing um, to print up spare parts for, for bits and pieces. Um, my partner's designed um, a little fly trap um, that's available. You can actually download the, the, the plan if you've got your own 3D printer for it. Oh, how and cool it is just, that? And it just fits on top of a standard sort of tin on a baked bean tin or a spaghetti yeah. tin. Um, it'll just clip onto the top of it. Um, and, I mean, we're on a sheep farm. Flies are a huge problem in summertime. Sure. Um, but um, you can, using the 3D printer, you can whip up the, the little top for the cans easily enough. You can put one on every fence post if you want to right the way around the house and yep. um, start reducing the, the fly population really quickly. Yeah, so, that's, that's handy. And there must be so many possibilities of things as, as uh, you know, these technologies become more and more ubiquitous, you know, low-power Bluetooth. Yeah. You know, I can imagine, you know, in the future it might be, uh, you know, I, I remember on a farm, you know, one of the most common things you, you're doing is opening and closing gates. Mm. Um, you know, you maybe be driving up to a gate within one of your set ve- standard vehicles or with the right phone in your pocket and maybe, you know, in the future it'll open the gate for you and then close it behind you sort of thing. I guess, uh, I mean, you must be dreaming up all sorts of ideas all yeah, the time. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's simple things like um, uh, you're wanting to, obviously, if you're, you're fattening um, sheep and beef, you're wanting to keep sort of an optimum rate of growth. Um, yes. So you're not just monitoring the animals, but you're monitoring the pasture and, and how much um, they're eating and how quickly they're going through it. So it would be great if they got to a certain point where you've got a pasture meter um, monitoring the pasture that says, well, hang on, it's got down to this sort of particular level. Um, and then it automatically opens the gate into the next paddock Passes and lets them, them through. The next, um, yeah. And at the same time, it makes sure that there's um, water in the trough and that it's flowing and working. Um, and at the same time, it measures the, the current in the electric fencing so that it ensures that all the fencing is safe at the same time as they go into that next paddock. Um, you can use something like RFID tags that are now uh, standard, so the NATE um, system, the National Animal Identification Tracking System, mm. um, has to be used uh, and so you can combine readers onto gates and things like that and actually monitor the animals going through the gates at that point so I mean you can start combining a lot of the data together which at the moment you don't often get individual animal performance as well particularly in dairy Sure, um, yeah. you, you have a total milk volume for example but not necessarily an individual animal performance but if you can start developing things like milk flow meters you could measure an individual cow and look at 
how much is she producing? Um, is she better to be milked twice a day or once a day? Um, right, compare cows that have been in different paddocks yeah. and so on in terms of their output and the like, and and you yeah. know see what's working better than you know what what the things are that improve the results. Yeah, and it's just it's little changes like that, and and if you can use some of those technology, and and that's why we've been enjoying playing about with the Arduino uh, technology, particularly sure. because it's it's small and it's componentized, so you can pick up and put together pieces relatively easy it's easy to program um, and, and you can get data back from it quite quickly I mean one of the other things we measure um, we cook off a wood stove which seems for all of our geekiness incredibly antiquated but we have a, a big wood range in the kitchen um, that's connected up to a wet back um, so we don't actually have y- your, your power usage must be uh, pr- pretty low yeah. compared to the average then yeah and we're heading towards more solar as well so again there's going to be more things to monitor but one of the things that that uh, wet back um, needs to monitor is the temperature because uh, if the cylinder gets too hot um, it will um, release hot water into it which it can do easily when you've got the the wood range going full time Um, so we've actually used um, Arduino uh, and some probes into the hot water heater to to measure the temperature of the water heater so that it will alert us when it's getting too hot and we can just sort of run a bath something like that dump some hot water out of the the system at that point so there's lots of little bits and pieces that we've connected up Oh, that's fantastic. And, you know, all of these things will, will I guess, you know, help make it easier you know, to run the farm. Uh, I mean, you, may, you know, potentially don't need as, to call in as many extra people to, to help out. Um, you know, ultimately, you know, give, give you better results and, and you know, profitability and so on, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it, yeah, I guess for us it's twofold. It's kind of the, the ease of management side of things, but also in a way the, the sustainability by being, being able to monitor it, measure results and then adjust accordingly, we're creating a much more sort of sustainable farming environment where we're not having to necessarily dump. Um, we're pretty much an organic farm. We don't spray or anything like that. So we have to keep an eye on um, the types of pasture that we've got and um, soil testing and things like that. So you don't want to dump massive amounts of fertiliser or herbicide or anything else into the system. It's just a waste these days. But if you can measure it and you can monitor it, then you can change stuff that you're doing. Great. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, thank you very much for uh, for joining me here on the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Uh, now, how do we track you down online? You, you're on Twitter. Uh, I am on Twitter. I am R Diva uh, on Twitter. But if you if you want to talk farming uh, and technology, you want to talk to my other half, who's Farm Geek uh, on Twitter. Um, otherwise, you you can pretty much find me um, on, on most platforms online, and um, I'm usually on 24 by 7 these days. It feels like excellent. Oh well. Thank you very much uh, for for joining us here, Karen Monks. Uh, and you can track me down on uh, on Twitter, just at Paul Spain, and across the other social networks. And for the NZ Tech Podcast, we're we're also on Twitter and at nztechpodcast.com uh, to find out about some of the other podcasts uh, that we we publish. Uh, visit nz uh, visit uh, globalvoicemedia.com. All right, that's us. Thanks for listening. See ya. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Vector Communications, data networks built for business.